Hour number two. It is the Plank Show. Having fun with you on a Friday on the home of Sooner fans. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby and Pierce Leffelholtz. I think Connor's still with us. Connor, are you still with us? I am. Man, with the song, I feel like okay. we're at Owen Field already. Let's do a little on-air housekeeping here because that's always fun, right? Everybody likes to peel the curtain back and see how this thing is, is working. Are you going to be with us all morning? Because you've got a long day of radio ahead of you, and if you need to skip out at 1030 and let Pierce and I go the rest of the way, that's totally cool. Yeah, we're. Uh, I think we're still figuring this out. I think I'll maybe take a break <laughs> sometime afternoon. But, yes, indeed, Josh, on this Friday, myself, Connor Pasby, has a little bit of a long day. But, hey, yeah, no, you're, better, you're on that no, better way, no better way to send off the week. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I like the positivity. You're on that Josh Helmer old school schedule, so welcome to the club, my friend. You have officially been indoctrinated, so congratulations to you. The biggest underachievers, I've got a list uh, of that on uh, ESPN. Big surprise to our uh, Texas Longhorn listener out there. Congratulations. You uh, got ranked in that one. It's not just a preseason uh, fluff poll where you got ranked for no reason. This uh, you're ra- rated appropriately for being a consistent underachiever alongside your buddies down there in texas a&m so we've got that we can dive into pierce i'll leave this up to you i've got college football bowl projections that we can jump into from cbs and i've got an interesting post from one malachi nelson that we have to talk about this morning oh yes which of these three would you like to dive into right here pierce you get to be the judge the jury Let's uh let's go over that underachieving list. I'm 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 interested to in see the other teams that are on that one. I mean, I expected Texas and Texas A&M. That was, you know, that was a given, but the other ones I'm excited for. Well, Texas A&M, go figure. They are at the very tippity top of the list. This is who does the least with the most. ESPN's annual college football underachievement list and there's tiers here. And Tier 1, congratulations. Texas A&M, it's just you. Angst in Aggieland is how this is uh, referred to by ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. He's who put this all together. He writes, a year ago, Texas A&M shared the second tier with UCLA and Texas. But in terms of long-term underachievement, the Aggies were closer to Georgia. 2021 didn't help the team's reputation. Coming off a number four finish in 2020, Texas A&M entered the fall ranked sixth, ended up eight and four in all too familiar result. Other than an upset of number one Alabama, Aggies coach Jimbo Fisher became the first ex-Nick Saban, Nick Saban assistant to beat Saban. A&M had a uh, largely forgettable season. That is true. That uh, one win over Alabama, amazing what that can do for you. Here's uh, what else Rittenberg says about A&M. A&M seems to have it all a massive and dedicated fan base, deep-pocketed donors, sparkling facilities, and a location in southeast Texas with prime access to Houston and other fertile recruiting grounds. Texas A&M spent nearly $485 million to renovate Kyle Field, gave Fisher a 75 mil guaranteed contract, and last fall announced a $205 million facilities plan for football and track. And yet, obviously, A&M, they've uh, only kind of got their fictional national championships we'll see if uh texas a&m is set to break through i'm not crazy about the max johnson 
situation for them at quarterback. I didn't like what I saw of Max Johnson last year at LSU playing quarterback. I do like the other parts of the Texas A&M Aggies. I mean, I think they're talented across the board, but, man, you typically have to have great quarterback play in order to, well, win the SEC or win a national championship, and I do not think that Texas A&M has that in one Max Johnson, if, in fact, he's the guy that winds up being the dude for Texas A&M. Yeah, I was about to say, I think, Josh, uh, yeah, there's two other quarterbacks in the battle of the QB hunt, too. So, yeah, it's extremely important in the SEC. you got to have your quarterback, your signal caller, like, ready to go for the SEC. You can't have him, you know – struggle in the SEC, and that's going to – A&M has talent around the quarterback, but it's just important who gets the job for the Aggies. But, hey, typical eight and four is what we like to call A&M. You recruit all you want, but it's always ending up eight and four. We're going to see if that continues. This is going to be pretty damning for Texas A&M's future if Jimbo Fisher can't parlay – this number one recruiting class and it looks like they're here to stay on the recruiting front as a top five type recruiting program year in and year out in this name image and likeness era and if in the next two three seasons four seasons Jimbo Fisher hasn't converted that into an SEC championship game appearance or an SEC championship then I don't know ever if A&M is going to break through in our lifetime Right? I mean, you, you had the Texas A&M Johnny Manziel season where obviously he was fantastic, but uh, it's not as if Texas A&M played for a national championship that year. So if they can't do it in the next couple of seasons, then to me, I don't know if they're ever breaking through in uh, in our lifetime. Well, say, say these next three years if A&M goes eight and four, say two of the seasons, do you think they move on from Jimbo Fisher? Do they? There's just so, keep there's so much one overall recruiting classes. I know, but there's there's just so much money just poured in to Texas A&M football. They don't they don't like seeing those eight and four seasons. I know it's the SEC, but still, with with all that money poured in and you're getting top recruiting classes, you got to find a way to get to the SEC championship game. Probably they would move on. Yes, probably, but I don't know that for certainty. If again. They keep landing top class after top class. That might, you know, make you think. You wonder about that. That's why we kicked the question around, which this is a good segue here. Tier 2 is titled L.A. and the Longhorns from Adam Rittenberg, and it includes UCLA, USC, and Texas, which I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know why UCLA is included here with uh, all of the fun that we can have at Texas's expense. I don't know that I'm including UCLA alongside I'm either not. USC or Texas. I'd love to make fun of both, but I can at least accept and treat USC and Texas as the former powers that they are. I can't do that with UCLA. So I get what probably Rittenberg's saying here without having read every last drop of what he has pinned here about UCLA and about Chip Kelly. And, look, I get it. Chip Kelly was great when he was at Oregon, but all of a sudden, that was a heck of a long time ago. Well, yeah, having Chip Kelly at Oregon. 
Well, and UCLA hasn't won a conference title since 1998. I feel like man, I feel like Chip yeah. Kelly has a lot of pressure at UCLA too. You better get something going on down there in these first in these next few years because UCLA has not the done logic. they have not done anything in a very long time. They have three top 25 finishes since 1998. There you go. One bowl appearance since 2015. That's it. And so they're part of the L.A. market, so I get that part of it. But, I mean, come on. UCLA is not in the same category as either USC or Texas. But in this uh, all-time underachievers list, Rittenberg has got them in tier two, tier two with both USC and Texas. Here's what uh, they write about USC. When a stunned Trojans team left the Rose Bowl field after falling to Vince Young and Texas in January of 2006, nobody thought the program would go 16 years and counting without a return to the national championship game. USC has been susceptible to underachievement. Before Coach Pete Carroll arrived after the 2000 season, the program went 65-52-1 with only a pair of conference titles from 91 to 2000. But the period since Carroll's return to the NFL, it's been marred by poor leadership, overly insular thinking on a key hires and utter dysfunction. Yeah, USC won the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl in 2016, played for another league title in 2020, and that's it. They've never been a serious factor for the college football playoff. It's easy to say that USC, there's an argument to be made. Take your pick between USC or Texas. Those two, there's an argument to be made for either one that they are the biggest disappointments in all of college football over the past decade. Take your pick. I would probably say for me, it's uh, USC that's a bigger disappointment. I don't know, though. It's so close. Both both programs you expect to be better, and just neither one has. Here's what Rittenberg, by the way, wrote about Texas. There's a reason Texas still appears in rankings of college football's best jobs. Texas boasts a distinct combination of immense, resource, uh, immense resources in appealing location in an emerging market and being the flag- flagship school in one of the nation's top talent-producing states. Texas is already showing its ability to capitalize on name, image, and likeness, but every year seemingly casts more doubt on a program that can't seem to get out of its own way. Texas hasn't won a Big 12 title since 2009, and they played for just the one league title that uh, obviously they lost to Oklahoma. That one's tough. Do you tough. guys have that- a strong feeling one way or the other? Who's more disappointing, USC or Texas? I would probably say Texas. It's just this one's hard because since they met in 2006 in the, national championship, in the national championship game, neither one of them has done jack squat since, Josh. Yeah, like you said, Texas has only played for – one or one extra league title since 2009. USC won the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl in 2016, but other than that, other than that, USC really hasn't done anything. So that one's tough for me, but I think I'm leaning more towards Texas being the disappointment because they're always putting together a top ten recruiting class. I feel like with nothing to prove for it. Yeah, I feel like the combination of the recruiting classes added up with the no recent conference championships. I think they're both very similar in the in the way they're both disappointing, but I do think uh, Texas, uh, even like to their own fans, 
is more disappointing. Can I make an argument here that both Texas and USC should, in fact, be ranked in front of A&M? You think, you think they should be ranked in front of A&M? On this list? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can mean, make that argument. You got to – oh, man. I, I guess I could see your argument maybe. But the thing is, I, I'm from Texas, and being around Texas A&M fans, their expectations are always at the very, very top. No matter what, it, it does not matter how good OU is, they will always tell me that A&M would beat OU. OU, OU is going to the college football playoff, and they're finishing 8-4, and four, and they're telling me, oh, A&M would, A&M would be in the same position, if not better, in the Big 12, blah, 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 that whole thing. Their expectations, ever since Jimbo got there, are completely the very top they can be. They've got the recruiting classes. They've got, I mean, uh, have you guys seen the, the plaque on Jimbo's desk that says, Jim yes, Fisher, it's 20, the most embarrassing thing maybe blank. in college football. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, stupid. like, it's it's almost like the stupidity of Texas A&M fans and their expectations being so high is putting them on that next level. I would probably have Texas and A&M together, not not with USC being here. I feel like there's not really a big fan base in USC who gets hyped for the USC college football season. They love the L.A. Rams and the L.A. Lakers, probably Yankees fans. They, I feel like they care, they care more about that than they actually do of USC football. I know the history behind USC with the 11 national championships, six Heisman Trophy winners, but it feels like there's not a lot of people that love USC football and get behind it. So I'd, I, man. Hear me out uh, on this, okay? Here's my argument for A&M not being tippity-top on this list right now. It actually is via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I think this is a fair point. They say, so being good today isn't as good as being good a long time ago? It boggles my mind how each, each season is weighted by the ghost of former players. Really odd. Okay, so keep in mind here to this texter, and I'm, I'm kind of on your side on this. I'm about to make the argument for you. This is the top annual underachiever tiers of college football. So it's, it's both past and present. But, you, you know, how do you interpret this? If it is weighted a little bit about what's going on right now, both USC and Texas are bigger disappointments right now today Damn Texas A&M. A&M just signed the number one overall recruiting class. A&M won eight football games last season. Beat Alabama. USC yep, beat was Alabama. four and eight. Texas was five and seven. I mean, that is a stark difference between these three programs. It would be different if they're losing. If USC and Texas are say losing four or three games in the season, but it's been terrible. Not even close to that. You have some losing records, not getting the bowls. So, yeah, that's why it's, a, to me, yeah, a bigger disappointment. I see what you're saying, Josh. So does the list specify, like, uh, do they have, like, a, a synopsis of why each tier is there? Does it say uh, it's, like, an era of, of disappointment, or is it talking about today? Because I, I completely agree if, if that's the case. Here's what Rittenberg writes, okay, right off the top. I recognize it's never fun for fans to see their team headlining college football's underachiever tiers. 
Texas A&M has one of the largest and most prideful fan bases in the sport, so much so that it's synonymous with the number, 12. And although the home of the 12th man was an easy pick to lead off the tiers, the truth about a team's lack of performance can sting. Let's see here. Littering and, littering and. Our goal is to identify programs that can't break through despite plenty of pathways to success. For the most part, the teams aren't hamstrung by location, fan and donor support facilities, administrative commitment, or team history. But for various reasons, the results don't add up. Not every team listed below should realistically contend for national championships. Some aren't set up to compete for league titles or major bowl games very often. But there are sets of teams throughout the sport that should be reaching higher levels. So it's not really specific on is this past present is it all encompassing is it right here right now and if it's right here right now i don't think i'd have a&m number one well if you're talking about past i mean a&m hasn't been very great in the past i mean they had some good years with ryan Tannehill, but yeah wait, Clint, the Monk. More, yeah you're right the more i think about it like even if you take the past into consideration the only reason I feel like Texas A&M is that high is because of the fan expectation in the recruiting classes. I think, Josh, you make a good point. Like, Texas has been at the top. Like, they have the Natties. They have the Heismans. They are a blue blood program. And it's they missed a long and they time, a bowl. but we've seen them do that. So, I guess, I, you know what? You, you swung me the other way, Josh. I agree. I think you're right. At any rate... Rittenberg has A&M in Tier 1, UCLA, USC, and Texas in Tier 2. And just very quickly before we take our first break of hour number two, and I tell you about Malachi Nelson and why the uh, house is imploding, perhaps, at USC. Coming up next, just real quickly, here's what the rest of his tiers look like. Tier 3 is titled Fading Dynasties, which this is a fascinating you know, discussion on certainly – an opponent for Oklahoma this season and last season, but Nebraska and Miami are listed here in Tier 3, fading dynasties. And then beyond that, you've got league title Lowell's, and there's four schools listed here, North Carolina State, North Carolina, Minnesota, Ohio. And then uh, the next uh, tier is Tier 5, which is group of five schools, which chances are most of you don't care a whole heck of a lot about that. But it's always fun, right, to uh, poke poke a little fun at some of our rivals out there and go figure texas and texas a&m congratulations once again you made the list for biggest losers in college football congratulations to the aggies and the longhorns we're due a break malachi nelson is this thing over is he leaving usc is he not going to be a commit for the trojans he's kind of put something out there that's pretty curious taking a timeout. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby, and Pierce Leffelholtz. It's the Plank Show with you on the Home of Sooner Fans. Back with you. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer hanging out with all of you fine folks on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network on a Friday. Connor Pasby is in the house. Pierce Leffelholtz, he's back. He is in the house. And we are out at the Cleveland County Habitat for Humanity Restore where They've got a, a name change coming up in mere moments. It is buzzing outside. The chamber is here. The ribbon-cutting ceremony just about to get underway. And then we can get CEO Randy Gardner on the air with us after that, and we can officially unveil what 
what the new name out here will be. Obviously, the Cleveland County Habitat for Humanity Restore at 1100 West Main in Norman is awesome. It was founded in 1993 to help build affordable housing in Norman, and then it expanded to include Cleveland County in 2012. And the Restore, it funds 50 to 70% of Habitat's programs in addition to uh, grants from the city of Norman for land purchases, Oklahoma natural gas and community development block grant. So they've, they've been doing a bunch of positive things for our community. Habitat built 13 homes in Moore following the Moore tornado back in 2013. And they've grown from building occasional houses to building about three houses a year. They've got a goal for five houses a year the next couple of years. And then really the hope is to eventually grow that number to 10 to 20 houses a year in the long term. So we will get to talk to CEO Randy Gardner coming up end of this hour, maybe the beginning of next hour, and he'll tell us all about the new name, what the thought process was behind the name change, and their vision for the future and all the great stuff that they've got going on out here at the Habitat for Humanity Restore here in Norman, of course, you find folks, you can come out 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. They're open Mondays through Saturdays, and they've got all sorts of goods for you. You can purchase building materials. They've got uh, gently used furniture, books, paint, housewares, a bunch of stuff that you would like around your house. If you come check it out right here at the Restore in Norman, 1100 West Main Street. Okay, so a little bit of a bombshell out there. We know that Malachi Nelson... USC quarterback commit has recently visited Texas A&M speak of the devil our underachievers themselves Malachi Nelson recently visited and of course this would sound red uh, red flags right this would would be a red flag this would sound alarm bells for any USC fan out there and also it might be reason to celebrate eventually for Texas A&M fans out there you tell me what to make out of this, fellas. This Instagram post from Malachi Nelson. I'll just let me remind the let me remind the listeners what he said first. So he said in the Instagram post, unfortunately, a lot of y'all met me when I lacked boundaries and was a people pleaser. Let me reintroduce myself. I burn bridges as needed. Is he saying he's going to switch to A and M and kind of burn USC's hopes? Like going to A&M? I don't know. I really can't tell what Mal- Malachi is Maybe, really me- yes. on this. I mean, let me Google that up, right? Google it up. Is that – I mean, that just seems I to burn, me like it's – I burn bridges as needed from Malachi Nelson. The thing is, it's – that's like a very normal, like, athlete kind of post, you know, like the – coming from the mud uh you know the grind those kind of things like those kind of sayings that's pretty normal but the timeliness of the a&m visit is what makes this really interesting and a caption the caption he put is just trust what's in store so yeah i think i think the man is flipping i think so mulshu is losing his precious five-star quarterback who he who he was hoping to get to la and I can certainly uh, confirm here that this is not like 
lyrics to a song or anything because I've Googled it up and was trying to find It's like there's no way. I mean, it doesn't read like that. It seems like it is just a statement, a note that he put out on Instagram. But uh, I, I thought it was, I guess, at least worth double-checking before I start rambling on about this. I mean, to me, yeah. How, how else am I supposed to take this, that this isn't Malachi Nelson saying that, hey, you know, I, I thought that USC was supposed to be the place for me. I was a little bit of a people pleaser about it. The Those close to me, my family, my friends, and allow me to reintroduce myself. If I want to go to a and I'm going to go to A&M, and I don't care what any of you people think. And you know what? Quite frankly, I applaud Malachi Nelson. I, I'm not one way or the other on this deal. I know that Sooner Nation is, I would say the majority is pretty decidedly the majority that they would love to see USC get burnt here and the Trojans and Lincoln Riley lose their top quarterback commit and all of a sudden he winds up and he's going to Texas A&M. I kind of hear the other side out there of Oklahoma fans that are like, wait a second, we would then have to turn around and play this guy in a couple of years. So I don't know if it's necessarily great for OU. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to see USC put in a pickle and see Lincoln Riley in this recruiting class blow up in his face. But on the other hand, it's not necessarily great news for Oklahoma if you uh, if Texas A&M lands his commitment and you know the other talent that potentially would come with Malachi Nelson if he does indeed flip and sign with Texas A&M. It's a, I'll it's a, say it's though, a five-star quarterback to that could be a threat, but from the 405 NIL not coming through at USC, just like Addison, he's getting out before it's too late. Yeah, so maybe he's not getting the promised NIL money that he was expecting in L.A. I'll say this, though. Good for him, guys, for doing what he wants to do, making the decision that he wants to make, if indeed it goes to that. I think a lot of times that there's probably a lot of pressure on young athletes to do what their their family maybe wants them to do or their friends or their high school coaching staff or whoever. If Malachi Nelson fell in love with Texas A&M on his visit, then good for him, man. He might have also fallen in love with some name, image, and likeness money. I'm not here or there to judge on that front. But, you know, good for him for thinking this thing over. If if he ends up flipping OU Twitter is going to have a field day. It is going to be a massacre out there. Yeah, usually, it's, usually it's, it's not a, going yeah, to be nice. Usually it's OU and A&M kind of giving words back and forth to each other, but this may be the first time where they're actually respecting A&M. Maybe he just knows that, I mean, that quarterback spot at A&M is just up for grabs, and then at USC – you got that creepy bond between Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. It's not going to go anywhere. So he probably thinks Caleb Williams is going to be a quarterback for um, two years. By the way, the ribbon-cutting ceremony is taking place out here, which is pretty awesome. It's hosted by Norman Moore and the South Oklahoma City Chambers. So we're about to get to chat up what the new Habitat for Humanity is here in in Norman here momentarily once Randy Gardner joins us. But the funny part about this, guys, is it is like it's been buzzing in this restore all morning long, okay? And you've probably heard the gnat sound, the ambient noise behind me. 
and now with the ribbon cutting ceremony taking place outside it is so deathly quiet inside this restore it's like it's a little bit peculiar after the way that the whole morning has played out it's like now there's nothing going on in here i'm the only person i'm screaming to an empty room just hilarious i was about to say now it looks like you're about to like tee off you got like no 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 noise behind you i was hearing some people earlier but yeah, it's completely quiet now it's like yell out geronimo and you know see if there's an avalanche in here now that i have the place to myself i'm just surprised they didn't let you cut the ribbon no, no, they don't want me anywhere near any sort of meaningful moments like that. That is highly dangerous. Nor do they want me on camera representing the Habitat for Humanity. With all due respect to myself. Speaking of being on camera, uh, over my uh, tenure of, of the trip I was on, I saw a picture of a young Josh Helmer at uh, a media availability of sorts. I believe. Oh, was it when I posted? Is that you tweeted yeah, that? The yeah, the that 2011 was, ESPN. Yeah, that's something access. right there. That's a good picture. The, was, the t-shirt under the polo look, I yes, believe. Yes, yes. A big t-shirt under the polo guy from that era, no doubt. Uh, absolutely don't want to sweat through that polo. Got to have that t-shirt underneath to protect, to guard against. That is the style. That is the fashion. Uh, that was before there was any sort of hair products. For myself, so you notice just fresh little buzz cut in that photo. But I was ready to work, man. I was ready to ask those Oklahoma Sooners how they were set to disappoint in 2011. <laughs> the, the couldn't couldn't stay in the the number one ranking all year. Josh Helmer knew it was that was knew, a Josh Helmer knew fun it was team coming. to cover, though. Oh yeah, I could that only, was a I fun could team only, to cover. I could only imagine there were so many great great personalities. On that team, that's why I go back and watch that 2011 ESPN All Access all the time. That was a fun group to watch. It was a little disappointing later in the year, but they and they were still fun to watch. We got plenty of text messages that I can hear from all of you folks. Yeah, you're right. That that 11 season, even though I mean, obviously, it doesn't result in a national championship. That game, I talked about it yesterday. I think that win at Doak that season was gigantic at the time i mean it felt like such a big win for ou let's hit the text line though i have been i've been absent on you the people and that is unfair to you on a friday so let's hear from the folks next right here it's the plank show rolling along on a friday you can call in chime in with us as well josh connor pierce it's the plank show the ref sports radio network the home of sooner fans We are back with you. Happy Friday, ladies and gents. It is the Plank Show, Josh Elmer, alongside Pierce Leffelholtz and Connor Pasby. Ribbon-cutting ceremony, I believe, I would imagine, is just about finished out there. Hosted by the Norman Moore and South Oklahoma City Chambers. New name, new webpage, about to be revealed. It's already been revealed to everybody outside but i will wait and let randy gardner the ceo out here come break the news for us i will tell you uh, as i'm hanging out at the habitat for humanity restore right here 1100 west main street established in 93 as the norman habitat for humanity of course they had the name change in 2012 to the cleveland county habitat for humanity and now today on august 12th a New name, 
set to be unveiled, and uh, Randy Gardner will be coming on by to tell us uh, what the new name is, what the new web page is, and what uh, some of the services they offer are, and kind of what their plan and vision is for the future. Josh, Connor, and Pierce talking a little Malachi Nelson with you. <laughs> I love this from from Travis, who you'll be able to hear. Travis, are you on from 2 to 6 today? Are you hanging out all afternoon with Parker? I think he is. I believe, yes. And he is, uh, yeah, he'll be on uh, 2 to 6 with uh, Parker with Locked In, and then he'll be the Friday rush, 3 to 6. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I knew he was going to do 3 to 6 on the rush as per the usual, and I thought he was doing that 2 to 3 time slot as well, but I just wasn't sure. He said uh, Malachi Nelson's probably in his feelings about a girl, and he's got the whole college football world in a tizzy. Probably so. Maybe. I would, I would yeah. Maybe. I like to believe that it, it is, in fact, about Lincoln Riley and USC and Texas A&M. I like to exist in that universe. Shane from Newcastle. Malachi Nelson is one heck of an athlete. That might disrupt some of our recruiting prospects that have A&M on their top team list. Yeah, I mean, you you do worry about the trickle-down effect. You get somebody like uh, Malachi Nelson on board, and all of a sudden the other dominoes start to fall. I think we've seen that plenty of times right here at Oklahoma. We saw it with Spencer Rattler. We saw it with Caleb Williams. We have uh, seen it with Jackson Arnold. So, we see say, what these quarterbacks, say, the type could, of effects that they have. I was about to say, it's like the same thing with Jackson Arnold, though. He would get uh, disrupt some of those recruiting prospects that, like, have other teams on their list. Jackson Arnold's going to be get, he's going to be able to get guys to follow him to OU in that class. Their thought process, Connor, in that is just responding to the charge that I made. Is it really good for Oklahoma? for Malachi Nelson to flip. Basically that, yeah, Texas A&M is going to get Malachi Nelson, and oh, by the way, he's going to bring other players with him, right? Versus is it just better if he stays on the West Coast? I don't know. Like, is it worth pointing and laughing at USC to you to have a more talented Texas A&M team potentially in the future that you're going to face? Really, you know, if you're Oklahoma and you're Brent Venables, and Brent Venables I know feels this way, and Oklahoma fans probably now feel this way for the most part, too. Bring it on, right? Bring it on. I mean, that's part of why you're going to the SEC is just to embrace these challenges, to not run and hide from the challenge of a Malachi Nelson at Texas A&M, to not run and hide from Alabama or Georgia, or to not just one-off see them in a college football playoff and go and get embarrassed, to see these types of programs on a regular basis and – have to pull yourself up and go win against those types of teams on a regular basis. And if you win the SEC, then guess what? You're probably going to be able to go compete and win a national championship because we know that the Big 12, it ain't working for OU. So from that standpoint, look, I can talk myself in circles and have about, you know, three or four different viewpoints on where I stand on the Malachi Nelson news. But I don't know, man. I, I just It's hard for me to separate from – that not being about his recruitment right here and right now. Maybe I'm just reading too much into his visit of late, and maybe it is about something as simple as, you know, somebody he he likes to date, a girl, right? I mean, who knows? 
One more on, on, line yeah, I'll say, or honestly, maybe he just feel like he's a big NIL money guy, so maybe he just got more of a push from A&M with the money. I don't think you have to – I think you can poke fun all you want to SEC, uh, to USC with Malachi Nelson because you, you got your guy at Jackson Arnold, so you don't need to worry about Malachi going to A&M in my opinion. Malachi Nelson can make a push to start as a frosh at A&M. Less than 0% chance he plays till year two at USC. A case could be made A&M is a quarterback away from a championship. Yeah, Molshu is not, in my opinion, he's not going to bench Caleb Williams if if Malachi ends up, like, staying at USC. So I don't blame. Yeah, like I said, that QB room is wide open at A&M. So that's probably – No, that's an interesting point. Yeah. That's a fair point. I mean, probably, yeah, a better chance to start straight away at A&M. They also took it to this point. NIL not coming through at USC, just like with Jordan Addison. Malachi's getting out before it's too late. There could be something to that, too. And that's what we we heard from Addison a while back, right? He didn't get what he was – kind of promise during his recruiting phase and when he got at USC. But yeah, I, it's yeah but Jay and, Jay, Jay and Tulsa is Malachi Nelson's goofy Instagram posts really were two segment guys. I mean, it's just something that caught all of college football's attention, definitely, because we saw the A&M visit. So we didn't expect like Malachi Nelson to like put out an Instagram post. I've got an extra headset down here. If you want to come on over to the Habitat for Humanity Restore, 1100 West Main, drive on down, and uh, you can host the show yourself, Jay, and you can determine the content for the show. <laughs> we can uh, we can talk some OU football next. I hear you. I'm just teasing, <laughs> just teasing. We're due a break. It's the Plank Show right here, Friday on the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Josh Connor Pierce hanging out with you. Back after this. Closing up hour number two, it's the Plank Show right here, Ref Sports Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. Brought to us by Allison Insurance, Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby, Pierce Leffelholtz. So the Justin Harrington saga is pretty interesting for OU. Probably I don't need to reset all of it for you, but just to reset a little bit of this for you, for those of you that don't remember, junior college transfer, decided to leave, enter the transfer portal midway through last year, and really didn't have a ton of takers, didn't have takers in the transfer portal, has wound up back at Oklahoma. I don't really know necessarily what that process looked like to, to get back on Oklahoma's roster. I would imagine it wasn't just walking and telling Brent Vittables, hey, I'd like to come back now. I would imagine that there was some convincing involved for Justin Harrington. And by all accounts, he's been pretty impressive. Brent Vittables on Justin Harrington during his press conference on Wednesday, which, of course, he was addressing the Kale Gundy resignation and what it means for LaDamian Washington as well, but didn't only talk about that. He talked about some football-related items as well, and he said about Harrington, quote, I love his versatility. 
He's big. He's long. He's athletic. He's got good instincts, sudden, explosive. He's rangy. And I was always intrigued by the possibility of Justin Harrington for Oklahoma's defensive secondary. Six foot three, 208 pounds. I mean, that is exciting. Somebody texted in earlier and was asking, uh, by the way, on this subject, what is the cheetah position for Oklahoma? And basically, it's a little bit of a rover defensive back. It's kind of that hybrid linebacker safety position where you do a little bit of both responsibilities. And Justin Harrington would seem to me, just physically, to be the kind of guy that would sort of get pegged perhaps for that cheetah-type role for Oklahoma's defense. So the fact that he's back and not that Brent Venable said, hey, look, Justin Harrington's going to start for us or he's on the two deep for us or this or that. It's just an interesting storyline to follow for Oklahoma throughout this fall camp and what that, what's going to ultimately transpire there for Justin Harrington in Oklahoma because, man, he was somebody that initially going through, you know, last year, we heard so much buzz about. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, one day you look up and it's boom, you've entered the transfer portal. And now, lo and behold, he's back at Oklahoma. And just the measurables, I really dig what the measurables look like for Justin Harrington. I like how he could slot in to Oklahoma's defense and what this what this defensive coaching staff could potentially get out of him. I think that's an intriguing, intriguing name to watch throughout fall camp for Oklahoma. Well, that's the that's it, man. That's yeah, it. I was about to say, oh, go ahead. That's the size uh, we've been constantly kind of waiting for in that back end of the secondary, 6'3", 214. Like I said, a cheetah can pl- got some size to play some linebacker. Could be like a breakout season for Harrington, maybe start special teams and work his way in the lineup. You know it's a serious day when you got Perry Spencer in the house, you got OU Photo Guy in the house, and you got the boss, Casey Vineyard, in the house. That's it for Hour 2. Let's hear from the CEO, Randy Gardner, joins us next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.